0: Thank you. Well, good evening, everyone. It's a pretty good turnout. It's good to see you all here. Welcome to Undone, which is, of course, the best service to be at. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and especially welcoming those that are online. It's always good to have you joining in. So if you've got any comments, any questions, you're more than welcome to add them to the chat, and the person on the chat will be able to chat with you. Um, So, my name is Andrea Ferguson, and tonight I'm continuing the series of God in the Ordinary. So, can't get much more ordinary than the way my life is. (laughs) Yeah, true story. I do, it's a true story. I do more washing, more ironing, more cooking than probably most. I have 10 children. And I homeschool, so yes. I consider myself extremely ordinary (laughs) in the tasks that I do every day. So, so far, we've had Sandy and Ben. They talked to us last week about waking up. I love Ben's clip. If you haven't seen that, his face in the morning, go back and watch it just for that. Yeah, I am the extreme opposite of Ben. I'm up at 5.30. I love the morning. I finally decided that's the only time no one else is up. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm up at 5.30 because it's very, very quiet. The only problem with that is that most of my family seem to be catching on and they're all now getting up earlier and earlier. Oh, it's bad. And then, so this morning we had Sarah speak. She was really, really good. She was talking about just our daily routines, making our bed, just the things that we do during the day that we actually have an opportunity as we're doing them to bring God into that. So the exciting thing that we're talking about tonight, I feel like Bev gave it away just a little bit, but we're talking about slide, brushing our teeth. (laughs) So thanks to Evie. Evie was my photographer. (laughs) First thing in the morning, had to be authentic. (laughs) Uh, So, yes, we're talking about our bodies and... Yeah, so I'm just going to get straight into it, basically. That's the main point. So I would put to you that we've been given our body by God. God breathed life into these bodies. He gave them to us. And we are given them to practically carry out his purpose on earth. He can't do it. He's given us our bodies to do it for him. Those purposes can range from doing amazing feats, people that climb Mount Everest and Swim the English Channel, you know, things that seem to be almost impossible to do, but they do it. But then you've got the ordinary things that people do that are actually things like caring for people that can't care for themselves, that are bringing food to people who are in need. These things that don't get as noticed but are still incredibly important. Whatever it is, we know that God's purposes actually always come out in actions. We've got to use our bodies... As James 2.14 suggests, faith without actions or works is dead. So if we live by faith with actions, it's logical that our bodies and what we do physically comes into that equation. There's no good saying, oh, yes, I do this. I'm a Christian. I, you know, I care for my friends, whatever it might be. If you don't physically do that thing, it's... Nobody's actually believing you. So what you do with your body actually says more than what you say. So I would then suggest to you how we look after our body is vital. We've got to look after our bodies. They're actually really important. It's important what we eat and drink, how much sleep we get and whether we exercise or not. It's not about being selfish. It's actually living in a manner that ensures we're ready to carry out what God has called us to do. Equally, we want to do with our bodies, well, we can choose to do things that are wrong with our bodies, things that are indulgent. We want to do them, but they actually detract from the purpose that God has got for us. And basically, that's sin. So let's look at a great verse from Romans. Romans 12, verse 1. "'I appeal to you, therefore, brothers,' by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Have you ever considered that presenting ourselves, our physical selves, is as a sacrifice is actually worship? That's how we worship God. What we do with our bodies is how we worship God. True worship is sacrificial living. It's offering your body to God's purposes. It's more than incidental. It's foundational to our worship. It's easy to say that and often quite hard to do. It's at the core, the biggest challenge for the born-again Christian, knowing that we've been born again, we've asked God to come into our life, so our um, we've been spiritually cleansed, but at times we still struggle with the fact that our body is flesh is physical it's things that we still want to do that you know might not line up with what god's actually asking us to do it's that constant warring so let's look at someone in the bible that succeeded and understood what the, the importance of physically doing what he knew was right i'm reading the story of daniel chapter 1 verse 3 to 8 then the king commanded Ashpenes, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of nobility, use without blemish, of good appearance and skilful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning and confident to stand in the king's palace and to teach them literature and language of the Chaldeans. <clears throat> the king assigned them a daily portion of food that the king ate and of wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the Enoch's to allow him not to defile himself. So here we've got Daniel. He was basically taken a prisoner. He was taken to another culture. He was re-taught and reprogrammed for a different, completely different culture than what he'd grown up in. And it would have been very, very easy. Like, they were given everything they needed. The king wanted them big and strong and, you know, ready to serve him. So he gave them whatever that they wanted to eat or drink. But Daniel had already learnt how to discipline his body. He knew that God had called him for a purpose. He knew that the care of his body was paramount in honouring God and the call on his life. So he took this difficult challenge of not eating the food and not drinking the wine under significant pressure to conform. Everybody around him would have been doing what they want, what, you know, bonus, we get to eat all this food. It would have been great. But he was like, no, I know that I've got to be strong. I know I've got to be fit. I know I've got to do what God set out for me to do. And so he set himself apart. The reward was that he was singled out above all of them, for his healthy appearance, and he was able to glorify God. Daniel became a powerful leader and a prophet that brought God's purposes to his people. So because he had that discipline in his physical body to say, I know that God's called me to do this, doesn't mean we all have to do that. He was specifically called to be fit and able to hear God's voice. So let's contrast that. I've got a different story for you. This is the story of David in 2 Samuel 11one to 11. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house, that he saw from a roof a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers, took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I'm pregnant. So David sent word to Joab, Semi-Uriah the Hittite. Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, You go down to your house and wash your feet. Uriah went out of the king's house and there followed him a present from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his Lord, and did not go to his house. When they told David Uriah did not go to his house, David said to Uriah, Have you not come from a journey? Why didn't you go to your house? Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah dwells in booths. My lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and lie with my wife as you live? And as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. So what a contrast. We know that David followed the Lord. We know that he heard his voice. But in this instance, he chose, for whatever reason it was, to not go. It says, in the time of the kings. The kings were out. They were supposed to be out. They were supposed to be in battle. They were supposed to be leading. But he'd chosen to stay home. Maybe he didn't feel well. Maybe he felt like a little relaxed. I don't know. But he was the king, and that was his position to go and do that and instead he chosen to stay home. Because of the decision he made with his physical body, it put him into a compromising situation, and put him into a temptation situation that led him down a path that had consequences for a lot more people than just himself. And you have Uriah. He was there, he knew what he was supposed to do. He was a soldier. He was even, um, he was faced with the same temptation to indulge his body, even being encouraged to do so by David. David was the king. You know, go home, be with your wife, have a little break before you go back. So the decisions that we make with our physical body actually really do matter. It matters. And, it, like, on the outside, um, nobody probably told David that he was doing the wrong thing. Like, you know, if he said, I'm staying home... Who's going to argue with the king? They'll be like, okay, fair enough. The rest of them went, did their work. No one's going to tell him he's doing the wrong thing. And I say this because they're often things that we ourselves do. And on the outside, like, who's going to tell you you're doing the wrong thing? It might actually look fine. Might be, you know, might be an okay thing to do. But you've got to consider, is God actually asking me to do that thing? Is he asking me to hang out out with those people? Is he asking me to, whatever it is, it actually matters because what you do for yourself, it really matters. It affects the outcome. So the story doesn't end there with David. We know that he was an excellent king. We know that he repented and came back to God. But you can see the importance of leading yourself, ensuring that you're living in a manner that encourages and supports godliness to effectively carry out God's plan for your life. So, I promise now to bring it back to brushing your teeth. <laughs> it's a, like, tough title heading, hey? <laughs> How do you get a whole talk out of brushing your teeth? I don't know. The fact is, brushing your teeth only takes a few minutes. A few minutes in the morning, a few minutes at night, done. But have you considered what happens if you don't brush your teeth? You can get away with it for a little bit. And, you know, it just feels a bit yuck in your mouth, but it's okay. And then, I don't know, I haven't actually tried it, I'm just guessing, but... <laughs> maybe I should have experimented as part of my talk, of actually, you know, leaving it, see what happens. But I can pretty much guarantee that after a while, your breath would probably smell pretty bad. And I could probably almost guarantee, based on some of my children, that... After all, you actually notice that they haven't brushed their teeth. And they will tell you, black and blue, that they have, (laughs) religiously. But no, they have not, and it's very obvious. You start to get plaque all over your teeth. And if you don't fix it then, then what happens? Well, your teeth start to decay. They actually decay, and people lose teeth because they haven't brushed them and looked after them properly. So it's a very, very basic thing to brush your teeth. we can use toothbrushes. We can use toothbrush trees. I reckon that's a great idea. <laughs> it's very cool. But you know, even the people that don't have access to toothbrushes can see the importance of it. It's a basic thing. Um, yeah. So it's the same thing that if we, you know, if we if we neglect our bodies in any regard, that they also decay. They actually decay quicker than if we were looking after them. The opposite can also be true. Like Bev touched on earlier, we can actually spend too much time on our bodies. So, you know, you can ignore it and it will start to fall apart. We can spend way too much time on it. You could be thinking about, you know, making sure you're in the absolute best shape you've ever been in your life. You could be obsessed with making sure your outfits spot on, so you're spending too much money on your clothes and your hair and your nails and, you know, the works. There's nothing wrong with looking good, but you can always take it to an extreme. You can be extreme on this side, can be extreme on that side. Um, It's always important that we bring it back to a balance. We've got to honour our bodies, we've got to look after our bodies, but we're not too obsessed and basically make that, you know, the creator. We worship the creation over the creator. So, for those who don't know me, I did mention earlier because everyone laughed at me when I said I was incredibly ordinary, (laughs) but I have 10 children and I had them in 14 and a half years, so they're pretty close together. Um, I currently have nine living at home, so yeah, I have a 21-year-old that's currently available if anyone's interested. (laughs) (laughs) He's the only one with his own room, and the kids are worried that he's never actually going to move out. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, Um, on top of this, we home educate our children, and have done for the past 19 years. So I constantly, constantly have people in my home, which is very ironic because I'm naturally more of an introverted type of person. And my mum often shakes her head and she's like, I do not know how you ended up there. I have no idea how you ended up there. But I love the potential of each person. I love the potential of you you get a new life. And it's like, what is this person capable of? What has God put, what giftings has he given them? And I can tell you that they're varied, very, very varied from personal experience that they've all grown up in my house. They've all got the same education, roughly. And they're all incredibly different. But, you know, what an amazing thing that God individually has picked all of you. Because that's what he wants. He wants all of you. And he's got a purpose for every single one of you. It's pretty exciting. Um, There's constantly a lot to organise in my house. Always a lot to organise. And it's kind of funny because when I was a teenager, um, I used to say to mum, I'd be like, ah. what could I be when I'm like, get older? Maybe I could be the prime minister, maybe I could be an Olympic runner, maybe like have my sights set pretty high of doing something. Um, And ironically, I ended up being a homeschool mother of 10 children and I use every single skill I have and then some, (laughs) every single day. And it's like, God knew I needed a lot of skill sets. Like I'm pretty good at a lot of things but not excellent at a lot, you know one specific thing, but, you know, God knew, God knew that this is the purpose he had for my life, and he equipped me to do that, which I'm very grateful for. Um, I was seven years old when I asked Jesus to come into my heart, which was very cute. I remember it super, super clearly. I was at my grandmother's very small house in Canning Street. It was actually directly opposite from where this original church was. We used to visit her every Wednesday and help her clean her house, as she was quite elderly at the time. I remember being in her breakfast room. The house actually only had four rooms, so the breakfast room was sort of the dining room, lounge room, everything room, and it was pretty small. Um, And it came over me, I must have been there by myself, and it came over me that I wasn't a Christian. And I was very convicted, even at seven, Remember, like, I can just picture it now, just standing there like, I'm not a Christian. Oh, no. (laughs) What do I do about it? And I ran across to the bedroom that was, like, adjacent next room. (laughs) And she had a single bed in there that had a very cool, people would love it today. It was fluffy, and it was the tiger print, super tiger print bed cover. It was pretty out there. And I lay face down on the fluffy tiger print bed cover. I prayed and I asked Jesus into my heart. From that time on, I've belonged to him. I know that I belong to him. And so the choices that I've made in my life, I've been pretty strong-willed sometimes. And I've chosen my path quite often. And over time, I can now testify to the fact that if you actually follow God's plan for your life, you will do much better. LAUGHTER Then, if you choose to deviate and do your own thing. Um, There's so many things that, you know, you go, oh, I just wish I had done that. I wish I had listened to my, you know, when I was reading God's word and it said to do this, I wish I had done that. You guys, because it's a youth service, you have an opportunity to, you don't have to rebel. Like, you actually don't have to do the wrong thing. You actually have an opportunity to be 20 years ahead of what I am and put God first right now. It's an amazing opportunity. You know, there is, I thought at the time, like I I really didn't rebel, but there was a time there we moved to Alice Springs and we just had our first child, and got a job in ambulance. And it was the first time I'd been away from home, um, as far as family, we've got quite a large family here, and no one knew me, and it was quite bizarre. It's like you had to introduce yourself and explain who you were and what you could do and all of that. And I was like, wow, no one knows me. I don't have to do the whole Christian thing. And, you know, like I still read my Bible, but it was very basic. And I really didn't put God first the same way. And, you know, it went okay, but we made a lot of mistakes in that time period. And looking back on it, I was like, I I guess I tried it out. It's like, let's try it out. See if this God thing actually works. And I can tell you, that the time I've spent following God has worked amazingly and much more fulfilling than when I went and was doing my own thing by far. Um, Yeah. So it's been a tough calling, homeschooling all these children, and it's been really good because it's it's basically, I think, that any time that you choose to follow God To actually put God first and say, Okay, God, what do you want to do with my life? That He always, always takes you further than what your physical self is or is capable of. Always. Then you know you're in the will of God. (laughs) Because if you can do it yourself, it's not God. You know, there's a point where you hit and you're like, Okay, I actually can't do this job anymore. It's actually quite hard. And that's a bit where you go, Okay, God, how do I do it? So, There's three things that I have chosen to do that make my day work, because every day counts in my house. Firstly, I choose to honour God in my body by getting enough sleep. Not staying up late to watch movies or Netflix so I can be ready and rested, ready for the next day. So my day starts the night before. How am I thinking about, what am I doing tomorrow? How much sleep do I need? Secondly, I work out each morning. Pretty sure I put a slide up there. That's me, 5.30 in the morning. Well, it wasn't this morning because Evie helped me. But the, the ironic thing about this picture is that I live in a house full of musicians. So this is actually the music room. So technically, they've probably just gone to bed. <laughs> 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 and then I get up and use the room again. So that's good. It gets good workout. Um, it's important to keep our bodies strong and fit. If we don't maintain physical fitness, our bodies become very lethargic harder to move and we can't work as efficiently thirdly I read God's word and pray each morning this sets up my day with God as the centre if I choose to sleep late I run out of time to read God's word and again you can get away with it for a while but it's the same as brushing your teeth neglecting God you start to spiritually decay strongly encourage you all to spend time reading God's word every day if your physical bodies don't work well, if there's, you know, if you're sick, if you can't move them, anything, everybody can read the Word of God or you can get someone to read the Word of God to you. Number one tip. So what is God calling you to do in your life? So it might be like to be a missionary, missionary, like the Voss family. might be to raise a house full of people like myself. It might be to be at uni or school or the job that you're in whatever you're doing god has put you there so it's important that you actually honor him by honoring your body 1 Corinthians 6:19-20 do you not know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit within you whom you have from god you are not your own for you were bought with a price so glorify god with your body the incidental way that we live in our physical body may be more important than we think if we don't care for our body, if they don't work properly. Likewise, if we don't spend time in God's word and pray, our spiritual lives don't work either. Romans 12, 1-2 I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I started with this verse and I'm finishing with it because it's that important. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world... But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In applying scripture to your life, which includes being living sacrifices with our bodies, it enables God to lead us clearly in his perfect will on earth. So if you take this scripture seriously, there's a promise involved. Honour God with your body, as a living sacrifice, and put him first, rather than your desires, your personal ambition, peer pressure, all of it. The promise is that God can lead you in his perfect will. In our time now, how important is it to know God's will for our life? There's so much noise, always noise, you you know, on your phone. The media, everything, it's like constantly speaking at us. The only way we can hear God's will for our life is through reading the word of God and prayer. And it has to be done every day because if you're not doing it every day, it very quickly gets drowned out. Extremely quickly. By being a living sacrifice, you're putting God in the driver's seat. So if things aren't working, it's an opportunity for us to actually go, okay, God. I'm putting you back in the driver's seat. Get back to the absolute basics, getting enough sleep, eating and drinking properly, exercising your body to the best of your ability. And I just want to finish on a Psalm 150, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Thank you very much.